This is Live from the Convent, and today I'm going to be telling two short stories. One is from a mother's perspective, and the other is from the son's. The first one is called A Drip on the Dry Would Be Heavenly. It was dry, dry, dry. Up and down the road, restless rubber soles kicked loose stones that crumbled like chalk. The air smelt of dust and losing. It was so hot outside, and she felt her dreams about the sea coming over the wall around the town would continue unless there was some change. A big breach of the dryness would be welcome. How could a wetness be missing in one of the wettest towns in Ireland? A drought and an early summer and a squeaking unoiled gate at the front of her cottage were contributing to the culturing of a big black hole deep inside her chest. A big black hole that devoured any consolation she could muster up, any light, any laughter, any breath. <sighs> Standing at the kitchen sink, she gripped the countertop edge tightly as she concentrated on driving out the hooked nails for thoughts. A gnarly grey bunny perched on the window ledge outside, watched the refrigerator door. She always watches the refrigerator door. She could take or leave me, but not the contents of my fridge. Gulping down her third pint of water, she thought about the man who had insulted her. What a dick. What a dick. He just lifted me by my elbows, out of the way, like I was a mannequin in a thrift shop window display. I'm so enraged and so intrigued. Bastard. He-man bastard. Should I have bangers and mash tonight for dinner? Her thirst was all-consuming. An entire river flowing down her gullet could not quench the monster. No matter what she ate or drank, no matter when she bit down in her fist so hard, she drew blood. She could not identify and satisfy the want. This want... This unfulfilled, wily want. And she paced and paced the length of her house. Every so often her fingernails would dig into the door frames as she passed by. Absent-mindedly, she hummed low and long, all the time trying to drown out a question. What? Is it that is knocking at my ribcage? 
The image of a rib cage reminded her of a whale skeleton at the Natural History Museum. And how she thought it would be so humiliating for the soul of the whale, possibly hanging around, to see schools of kids instead of schools of fish staring in wonder. And wouldn't that soul take up more astral room than the other souls? A whale of a soul. And I imagine whale souls to be an amalgamation of all the decent beings that existed throughout the ages. I think my black hole could even absorb a whale soul and not be affected by its vastness. Such is the hankering for more of not the same and one of every single thing until it gets to the meaty thing. And how she longed to talk to that whale or ask it for its opinion on something. Well, a few things. The thought of heavy mammals splashing their tails in water reminded her of the suggestive banging of freshly washed iceberg lettuce onto a chopping board, along with radishes that looked like exotic Colombians' nipples. Her mouth was wide open now, and there was a trail of saliva down her shirt. It was only a few hours until her son returned, And then she would have to be a together mother again. But her body wouldn't let her start on her list of daily tasks. There was the mowing of the grass, the defrosting of the meat for the next day's dinner, the polishing of the ornaments and trophies, the making sandwiches for the hungry construction men at the deli where she worked part-time for extra cash. The washing of the carrots and parsnips, the deceding of the bell peppers, the varnishing of the banister, the wiping down of the salt and pepper shakers. Her lower half was in an intense stare-off with her upper half. She couldn't spend the rest of the morning in bed thinking about him, could she? Inventing perverse situations like having to beg him for a penny so she could buy a penny sweet to eat for a meal when pennies weren't even in circulation anymore. Please give me a penny, sir. I don't have a penny for you. You're so cruel. Why would I have a penny for you? Why not? Because they're not used anymore. But I use them. Look at my purse. Oh my God. Your purse is bursting with pennies. Oh, it is. It is. Why don't you use your own pennies? But I don't want my pennies. I want yours. I just told you. I don't have any pennies. Please. You're asking me, knowing full well I don't have any pennies. This is sick. You 
like it? No. You like it? No. You like it? Okay, I do. There was a routine to be followed, and routine was the only thing keeping her from ruin. Routine is my keeper from selling myself cheaper. This is what she told herself, keeping her from knickers down around her ankles again and afraid she was being watched by all her dead relatives. Keeping her and her hand from from fiddling to blindness. Although getting off was so easy and quick for her. A laser-focused, finger-intensive task. And then the black dots in her vision straight afterwards, which she half-worried was due to not enough oxygen getting to her heart. And the ringing in the ears, like the aftermath of a nuclear explosion, two counties to the east. The worst time of the month for her was the week succeeding her period. Someone could say, pass the salt, or anything remotely neutral or nice. And she'd be fantasizing about them bending her over a low post box. Why was it always a post box? She was a sucker for kindness or cruelty. It just depended on her mood and the potential for fantasy variation of the actual event which took place. The day before, a man had lifted her up and away from the entrance to a polo shop where she bought her favorite brand of chocolate cherries. She had been blocking his entrance and didn't hear his repeated excuse me. What had she been thinking of that made her deaf to him? Why had she been blocking the entrance to the place? She had spotted a truck on the way home. Trucks made her think of... She had wantonly looked at forklifts, lorries, speeding trains, bathroom plungers and torrenting roof gutters all the way home. Something about the industrial or machines or the mundane... Or anything reminded her of being drilled a decade into the future and back into last week by a convict just released from prison. Which is maybe what she needed to get past this mind arrest of late. Yesterday man's face lit up her mind's eye like a fluorescent boy sign in a depraved old lady's room in a nursing home with neon sign supplier contacts in Las Vegas and Amsterdam. But it was the slap of salami off a slice of crusty bread that finished her for the day. 
salami slap sounds are so visceral. I want so badly for a big, bad gherkin and some soundproof walls. She ran into the toilet at the deli where she worked with a long queue of lunchers. They'll have to wait, she thought. And now it's time for the second short story, and it's called Tommy Woodward's Daily Grace. And uh, just a reminder, this is from the son's perspective. Tommy Woodward ate the dinner his mother had made him after school. She asked him every morning what he would like in the evening, and today's preference was bangers and mash. They hardly spoke to one another. As usual, she asked how his day went and if he had been given much homework, but that was the extent of their conversation. She kept the radio on at a low volume in the background and the television channel on her favourite soap. He didn't bother to ask her what she had got up to all day. Trassa Woodward, his mother, was a recent divorcee and she only left the house to work part-time hours at the local deli. And her son assumed she couldn't get into much trouble being confined within the four walls of a semi-detached on the Tipperary town outskirts. For Tommy, it was a case of getting the food down him as quickly as possible so he could escape to his bedroom and get down to business. He would leave the table without washing up and tidying away. Passing his mother's room on the way to the stairs, he would rush in and grab whatever moisturizer was closest to hand, although he did have a preference for Vaseline cocoa butter body cream. He couldn't do without the moisturizer as he had been circumcised as a child purely for hygiene reasons. His mother never caught on he was using her stuff or had decided not to say anything to him about it. Either way, he was relieved he didn't have to go into a chemist and buy his own. How embarrassing that would be, he thought as he raced up the stairs. Real men don't have a skin regime. This was his most treasured time of the day. The routine was to make a pit stop in the bathroom and have a quick look at his reflection in the mirror. It was important that he looked good for what was to follow, like he was preparing for a Valentine's date and the world's sexiest vixen. He patted a euro-sized dollop of hair gel onto his head in an effort to smooth out his frizzy ginger tuft and pinched a couple of whiteheads on his chin. He ran his hand under the hot tap to wash the pus from the pimples off his thumbnail and forefinger. Who's your daddy? He mouthed to the mirror. He had made the best of a modest box-sized room upstairs. Against the wall was a futon. In the corner was a desk with his Dell computer, which was giving him trouble lately. Apparently, he had been downloading from illegitimate sources, and there was a virus threatening to corrupt his hard drive. Turning on the computer and pulling down his pants, 
he typed in a website address that would supply him with the visuals he needed. While it loaded, he reached down underneath a loose floorboard and plucked out a white towel that hadn't seen a washing machine in two years at least and stank like fried mushrooms on a Sunday morning. It was his dad who had left his mother for a younger woman that had recommended the website. His advice had been, don't let your mother see it. It's not very well known and it's a bit experimental, you know, but it does the job. It's a miracle the Irish have created a half-decent porn site. It's the one reason my marriage to her lasted so long. He referred to her always as your mother to him. What his dad liked about this website is that there was a story to each porn clip, so he didn't feel like a complete pervert lowlife watching. In the one Tommy chose, Mary and the Immaculate Concepta, Concepta and Mary were cooking dinner for their boyfriends. They had opted for a spaghetti carbonara dish, which involved lots of cream. The two 20-something-year-olds kept commenting how it was so hard to do this dish just right. Mary confided in Concepta that her boyfriend was so hard to please. How she found it so hard to be attentive to his needs every single day. Concepta, desperately trying to comfort her friend, assured her that every woman had that same problem and how it was so important that they be very open with each other about their problems. Even though going behind a boyfriend's back was a really hard thing to do. Then Mary started to cry as she chopped the onions. Concepta slowly made her way over and hugged Mary from behind, pushing her chest against Mary's back, swaying slowly to the music of a Samantha Mumba CD. Mary's boyfriend, John Joe, popped his head around the door then and barked. We want chips. Don't forget the chips or you're dumped. Concepta glanced at him with a bewildered expression on her face. You want chips? With spaghetti carbonara. Mary butted in. He likes chips with everything, even chips to go with chips. Don't worry, darling, it's coming right up. He nodded and exited with a self-satisfied smile on his face. Mary, being the obedient girlfriend that she was, made for the freezer, but Concepta still had hold of her and forced her to turn and face her. Let's not have frozen chips. Let's make special fresh ones. Oh, you mean to cut them up and make them from scratch? Mary asked. Yeah, sure. Uh, Wait until you see the potatoes I bought from the farmer's market. They're the biggest and juiciest I've ever come across. Concepta enthused. Still with a tight, greedy grip on Mary with one arm, she stretched her other arm over Mary's shoulder to the cupboard above. The women were within kissing distance. Look! Concepta squealed as she yanked a gigantic 
potato out from a brown paper bag in the cupboard. Holy Mary and Jesus Christ save us! If only those potatoes were around during the famine. That's freakishly big. It's about the size of a baby's head. Mary marveled and confessed breathily afterwards. Something about the shape and size of it and your chest pressing up hard against me excites me like John Joe never has. Help me, please. How can I be of assistance? purred Concepta. Help me forget about John Joe for a little while. Mary leaned in to lock lips with her friend. Tommy had been following these types of storylines for months, but found Mary and the Immaculate Concepta deeply disturbing. Nevertheless, he got off on it, but he wasn't of sound mind afterwards. That was a twisted one. I better keep an eye on my mother next time she's handling potatoes. So that's what girls like then. Big veggies. Noted. He shut his eyes feeling disappointed in himself for caving in once more to his penis's demands. His punishment was a chafing that would take a few days to heal. He turned the sound off in his computer so that all he could hear was the fizzing of the screen and he sighed aloud. With his face pointed upwards, he reflected on his depraved behavior as the energy saver light bulb pierced unforgivingly through his eyelids. Are you proud of yourself, Tommy? Are you? You know what you are, Tommy. You're a waste of space. He couldn't possibly continue on like this. The towel was hard and in need of a scrape with a knife and a thorough 60-degree cycle. He was sure that there was no jism left in him. Utterly spent, he checked his testicles and, as suspected, they were emaciated. They looked like they'd been through the wars. It would be a miracle if he could ever produce one more drop of Children Maker. He didn't have any appreciation left for the naked, attractive female. He had been turned on by his last pair of immeasurably massive breasts and Hollywood wax job. His whole being felt soggy, squidgy and very heavy. He felt like a wet bedsheet soaked in an entire football team's sperm. Was it possible that he had reached saturation point? That he was all masturbated out forevermore, if such a condition existed? Is there such a condition? He wondered. Maybe I've exhausted my supply of homemade yogurt had my fill of girls and am progressing to the next stage of manhood, which hasn't yet been reached by a man. Maybe I can be 
mature and let my brain dictate what I should do next instead of succumbing time and time again to the throbbing behind my flies. He couldn't remember one girl whom he had had a decent conversation with. They were also consumed with their hair and clothes and not that well read with so many insecurities and lacking in interests and passions that overcame their vanity. They were so devious dressing up and making up and disguising what they really were in their purest form. For a second he considered becoming a priest but then snapped out of it. His train of thought was interrupted by the clashing of a plate against the kitchen tiles downstairs. His mother had dropped it and he felt a pang of guilt for being such a selfish ignoramus and always leaving the housework for her to do alone. I'm a bad son, he repented, and right then wished desperately to be close to his mother. When he made it down to her, she was wrapping some tissue around her palm. She had cut herself. Oh no, ma'am, are you all right? Just a little scrape, nothing serious. Oh, I'm sorry, I should have cleaned up after myself. Sure, don't I like to clean up after and take care of you? I know school is stressful enough. Oh, thanks, ma'am. I appreciate everything you do for me, you know, he said sheepishly. But she didn't respond to this. She kept on tending to her wound, not looking at him. He thought he saw her lip tremble. I think I need to take up a sport or something like that. Keep me active and, and out of the house, out of your way, like. Yeah, you do that, my love. Yeah, you do that. Now, out of here. I have to hoover up all the broken china. He backed up awkwardly over the threshold into the hallway as she switched on the vacuum cleaner. His mother vacuumed the floor twice to ensure that nobody would step on a stray, sharp sliver and hurt themselves. He kept his eyes on her throughout this until the first two tears formed on the verge of trickling down and being on show. It had been two whole years since he wept last, and he didn't want her to witness the man of the house in such a state. That's when he bowed his head and retreated to his room, where she wouldn't enter before politely knocking.